Masechet Yavamot Daf Pe Aleph. We completed the Mishnah that's talking about a Shomedet Yavam, a uh, man dies without children. And now what happens to his estate? Well, uh, he has a brother, so the brother, as the Yavam, uh, has a right to uh, take and inherit his brother. So and his brother takes some of it, but, uh, for example, land that she brought into the marriage, uh, her she can take out and uh, goes back to her family. So as a bit of a partnership, her um, Kitubah gets split up. Um, he, the Yavam, does not have to pay the Ketubah right away. If he does Chalitza, then the uh, inheritance, the estate of the deceased brother, will go to pay the Ketubah. If he does Yibum, uh, then he has to keep that estate on the side uh, so uh, so that he will pay the Ketubah eventually at the end of the Yavam and Yavama's marriage. Okay, so uh, it's quite a complicated situation where we have the deceased brother's estate is uh, somewhat pulled in two different directions. The Yavam uh, has a lot of it, certainly the basic Ketuvah amount of the 200 plus the cash amount, um, but he can't, uh, he can't really use any of the land, he can't sell it. Uh, because it is there to be given over to the Yevama eventually. All right, so now we have an opening question. So again, we have the Shemedet Yavam. They didn't do Yibum, they didn't do Chalitza. Uh, things are somewhat in limbo. And in the meantime, the Yevama dies. She's a Shemedet Yavam. Uh, so she is awaiting and she dies in the, during that time period. Who is responsible for burial? Usually, a husband is responsible to bury his wife. That, uh, that expense is in exchange for him inheriting her property. Right? When a woman dies, whatever she has goes to the husband, including the ketuvah, the ketuvah payment that he would have to give to her. He keeps because he is inheriting her. In exchange, he has to pay for her burial. Okay, good. That makes sense when it's a husband who's alive. But now the husband has died, and now the Yavam is in place of the husband. So do we say the husband is in place, and so that's why he has to do it? That's one option. Since the inheritors of the husband, that's the Yavam, since they're in his place and because they inherit him, so therefore, uh, and they, they are going to get, they, they inherit the amount of the, the Ketuvah payment uh, until, um, uh, until the point that uh, she dies. And then in that case, they will have to pay it out. But here she did already die, so they are actually getting it back. Uh, so they inherited her Ketuvah payment already, and therefore the Yavam has to pay for her burial. That would make sense. Or do we say that it's the inheritors um, of the father, meaning her father, her family, if her father's alive or if her father's deceased and her brothers, whoever inherited the father, uh, they should be the one responsible for burying her because then melog, the property that she held onto as her, the title onto that she brought into the marriage and that goes out with the marriage that goes back to the uh, to to the uh, to her family. We saw that that was Betty Lael's opinion. So actually, they are inheriting part of the kituvah. So that's the question. That's the complication. The kituvah is in fact being partially. 
inherited by the Yavam and partially be inherited by her father. And so the burial is instead of the, is in place of the, uh, um, of the right to inherit, but both of these different parties are inheriting, so who has the obligation to bury her? All right, so complicated question. We're actually a simple answer. So we have here a Badaita that says, uh, when she is awaiting Yibum, this woman, and she dies, so those who inherit her, who are the inheritors of a Ketubah, they are obligated to bury her. So the main inheritors of the Ketubah, the basic Ketubah payment, is the husband's brother. So there you go. Yes, it is in fact the Yavam who will have to pay for her burial. Amar Abaye agrees with this. So remember, we're going to have a long machloket between Abaye and Rava. And, uh, and right now, so Abaye is the one that agrees and says the husband has to pay for the burial. And because he has another Braita that says, It's actually a Mishnah that's coming up later. that says uh, when a woman dies, and this is like a regular case of Almana, uh, so the um, the estate that goes to their the, to his children to the the um, deceased husband's children they that the estate will have to provide for her and in exchange any work that she does wages will go to the uh, estate so she's not taking the one lump sum payout of her ketubah she wants to be sustained by the estate. In that case, those children do not have to pay for her um, for her burial because that's only a husband's obligation, and these are the inheritors of the husband, so they are not responsible. But the next line says, "Yorsheha, yorsheketubata, chayavin bikvurata." Those who inherit her and who inherit her ketubah, they have to pay for her burial. Um, so while his children wouldn't have to, but whoever does inherit her would have to pay. So what is this talking about? So we're now making a kind of a derashah on this Mishnah. It's not really the Peshat of the Mishnah, but it does say Yorsheha in plural. Those people who inherit her. Well, where do you ever have a case where um, an almana, um, a widow, has two people that will in, that can inherit her? It must be It must be this case of a shemet yavam where the yavam will inherit part and her family inherits part of it. So that's why you have these two different parties that are called yorshim, and it says that the yoresh of her main ketubah, that's the yavam, has to provide for a burial. These words are exactly the same as uh, as the ones that Rav um, Amram quoted. So this Mishnah here supports uh, Rav Amram, and uh, there you go. We have uh, two Tanetic sources that support the idea that it's the husband that has to pay, that the Yavam rather, that has to pay for her burial because he's the one that inherits the main cash value of the Ketubah. Amarava, Velema ach aniyodesh, ishto en anikobed. Avad disagrees and says, no, the Yavam should not have to pay for the burial because he can make the following claim. I am inheriting my brother, right? The brother died. He has no children. So who gets, who inherits, who inherits the brother if there's no children, right? Forget the Yavama. Make believe she's not, doesn't exist. Who would inherit him? 
He would. So I'm, I'm just inheriting my brother and his wife. I'm not burying his wife. What is that, why is that my obligation to bury his wife? She has nothing to do with me. And Ava says he can make such a claim. All right. Amarle Abaye, Abaye counters that. No, he is responsible. Because we come to him from two sides. In other words, whatever he's going to claim, whatever his status is, he's going to have to pay no, no matter what. If he, in fact, is inheriting his brother as a, as a Yavam, uh, then he not only gets the 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 he not only gets the kitubah, but also he inherits the duties, and so he is inheriting uh, um, her and stepping in basically to his brother's role. Right, the the brother dies, so the Yavam takes his place. Okay, very good. So now you own his estate. But by owning his estate, you're responsible, right? He's inheriting, after all, the kitubah as well. And so this is an exchange for the kitubah that he is inheriting as the brother, as the Yavam. So in that case, yes, he does represent the brother and does have to pay for her burial. And if not, so what do you want to say? Oh, I'm not acting as a, I'm not taking the place of my brother. Right, um, I'm uh, I'm a separate entity, and uh, so in that case, if you're not going to bury her, well, in that case, you're showing that you have severed your relationship. So pay the kituvah. Right after all, the husband's estate is responsible to pay her kituvah. The only way you could not pay the kituvah, Mr. Yavam, is if you are continuing his place, and so it's almost like one continuous marriage where the original husband died, the second one steps right in and uh, continues the marriage because in fact the Yavam does not have to write an, another kitubah he continues the first kitubah and eventually it will get paid from the uh, from the husband's estate so either you're stepping in and then you have to pay because you had the brother had to or you're not stepping into to your brother and so you're separating so then pay out her kitubah uh, she died but it will go to her family Okay, so that's Abaya's challenge. Rava answers, Amale, let me clarify my point, Rava says, I don't think the brother should have to pay for the burial. Ach, ani yoresh, et ishto, en ani kober. Him is repeating, yes, I'm going to inherit my brother, and my brother's wife, I am not responsible to bury. Vimishum ketubah, lo nitena ketubah, legabot mechayim. And if you're telling me that I should have to pay the ketubah because I'm saying I'm not actually my brother, right? I'm separating myself. I'm a different person. He had to. I don't have to. And if you're going to tell me that now, oh, I have to pay the ketubah, that's not true because a ketubah is not paid while someone is alive. When the brother, the, 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 the brother now died, when he was alive, you don't have to pay for a ketubah while you're alive. You only have to pay for a ketubah at the end of a marriage. How do you know that? Because in the ketubah, the language in the Kutubah itself, which we're going to see in a second, says, oh, when you may marry another, you may claim this marriage. That's, that's the exact words it says in the Kutubah. Uh, we're going to read it um, here. So the Kutubah itself says, you are only uh, have a right to collect it when you are marriageable to another. And um, uh, and there and right now, so, uh, so while the husband is alive, she's not marriageable to another. So the Yavam can say the same thing. Hey, I am alive. I am now, right? I, we are about to marry. I am in place of my brother. 
but only to a limited extent. I'm in place of my brother in that I'm going to marry you, and therefore you cannot marry anybody else. It only says when you marry another. Uh, and so I'm, but you're not marrying another. You're marrying me, and I'm in the place of your brother. Uh, I'm, I'm in the place of my brother, your deceased husband. So therefore, I don't have to pay the kitubah because I am alive. It's the same as your brother is alive. But I am not completely the deceased in place of the deceased husband, not to the extent that I would have to pay for your burial. He had to pay for your burial, but that I don't have to do. Okay, so that's what Rava says. Abaye will now counter, or the Gemara on behalf of Abaye will counter this claim. It says, Man shamat le di'it le midrash ketubah. Rava just made his claim based on an inference in the ketubah. It says, when you can marry another, then you can claim this contract. And we're inferring from that, that um, right now she can't marry another because she is connected to the Avam, and therefore her marriage contract doesn't have to be claimed. It doesn't really say that quite explicitly in the Ketuvah, so this is a Midrash, it, uh, an inference from the language of the Ketuvah. All right, now who uh, makes uses that methodology? Everyone agrees you can make a Derasha on Pesukim from the Torah, but can you make a Midrash on the language of the Ketuvah? Bet Shammai is the one that says you do. All right, so you're going to be following Bet Shammai, Rava? Fine. But just know that you have to follow Bet Shammai consistently. Bet Shammai happens to be the one who also says concerning debts that a debt that is ready to be collected, it's as if it's already collected. This will have uh, uh, an effect on when we say, Do you have to prove in order to, to extract money from someone? So usually it's whoever's physically holding the money. We say, okay, the other person has to extract it. But Bet Shammai doesn't think that regarding a loan that is ready to be collected. The due date is up. And he says, if it's ready to be collected, it's as if it already was collected. And therefore, the person who has the right collect to collect it, it's as if it's already in their hands. And so the... the um, we're going to prove that he says this in a second. The application here is that the second that the, her first husband dies, so she is already owed the ketubah, and since it's owed to her, it's ready to be collected, it's as if she already has it. And uh, since she already has it, uh, therefore he cannot, uh, the, the, it should, has to be paid. And the Yavam cannot say, that oh wait I'm 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 alive and so the kituvah does not have to be paid. Um, uh, th that claim does not work for Bet Shammai. So if you want to make a, a derasha on the kituvah when Rava, that's what you're doing, then you're gonna have to follow Bet Shammai the whole way and say that she actually already as if she it's as if she collected the kituvah and therefore he's gonna have to go through and pay her the kituvah. Uh, totally, and uh, so if and if not, the point is not that he's going to actually have to pay the kitubah because she died, but rather that he will have to pay for the burial. Okay, that's what we're going to prove now. That Bet Shammai would say that. So let's see what how what Bet Shammai's general principle is regarding uh, collectible loans. Ditnan metu balehen ad shatu. Okay, now we're going to get into sota. A husband accuses his wife of being unfaithful, and so now they um, are going to on their way to uh, do the sota ritual. But in the meantime, the husband died. 
talking about husbands in general, meaning in any many cases, any case that this happens, before she got to drink. Now, what's her status? Bet says they're not going to drink now, and but and she can, in fact, collect her ketubah. Why? Because once it's collect, once uh, a ketubah is ready to be collected, it's as if it's already collected. So it's her right, as we're going to see. Bet Hillel Omrim o shotot o lo notlot ketubah. Bet Hillel says, wait, we're not sure whether she was faithful or unfaithful. And so she would either have to drink the waters, prove that she was faithful during her marriage, and therefore she deserves to collect the ketubah. Or if she refuses to drink, then we have to assume that she was unfaithful. And if she was unfaithful during the marriage, she does not deserve the ketubah. And so then she doesn't get the ketubah. Okay, now, first we're going to clarify what Betil actually says. Oshotot, wait, she's going to drink the water after the husband died. The Pasuk says the husband has to bring her to the Kohen to drink. If there's no husband, if he died, then you can't drink anymore. So rather, here's what Betilel means. Since she can no longer drink and prove her innocence, therefore, she does not take uh, collect the ketubah. Now, although it's a safek, it doesn't matter because uh, the money is in the hands of the husband's inheritors. And then she would have to prove that she deserves the ketubah. She has no way to prove it because she cannot drink anymore, and therefore she does not get the ketubah. Unless she can prove it by witnesses or some other way, she will not be able to collect the ketubah. That's what Bet Hillel says. Bet Shammai omrim not lot ketubah velo shotot. Now how come Bet Shammai thinks that she can collect the ketubah even though she did not prove her innocence. Ve'amai, sefekahu, sefek zenai, sefek lazenai, ve'kate sefek umosimi devadai. Why? She is in a case of uncertainty. Maybe she committed adultery. Maybe she not, not, did not commit adultery. And so from, from a, um, a position of doubt, can she come and claim from uh, a certain claim, meaning the heirs, of the husband, they have, they are um, uh, holding on to the money. So she would have to prove a definite claim in order to be motzi mechavero. Uh, so why does she take it? Here's the answer. That a document and, and any loan that's ready to be collected is as if it's already collected, and therefore this ketubah, even though she didn't physically collect it, once the husband died, it uh, it's ready to be collected. So it's as if it's in her hands, and therefore even a doubt, uh, even with a doubt, she can collect it. Be the heirs would have to come and bring proof that she was unfaithful if they want to extract it uh, from the uh, from the wife okay and so um, so that is all uh, the uh, the uh, last challenge uh, for on behalf of Abaye who would say that you cannot make this claim that uh, sorry uh, Rava you cannot make the claim that the husband can come and say uh, none uh, that it's it's my it's my money and uh, I, I I inherited her and I'm alive so I don't have to pay her ketubah while I'm alive that's not true because according to Bet Shammai and you seem to be following Bet Shammai because you made a derasha on the ketubah according to Bet Shammai it's as if she already collected it and therefore he would have to pay she died okay then pay for the burial.
All right, so that's the end of that conversation for now. Uh, but then we uh, now we interrupt with a question. Hold on. How can how can the uh, the the ketuvah be paid? After all, it says in the ketuvah that when you marry another man, then you'll be able to uh, collect your ketubah. But here that's not true. The Yevama, the Shomeret Yavam, she cannot marry anybody else. She is stuck. She can only marry the Yavam. So she really cannot marry out. So actually, it's not quite like she um, is uh, can collect any of the ketubah. Uh, then, so the answer is, The Yavam is like another man. And so that that's sufficient to fulfill the clause when you marry another man. And that includes the Yavam. Even though the Yavam is coming in place of the deceased brother, still it is another man. So what we're dealing with here is that ambiguity of the Yavam. Is he really totally in place of the deceased brother? Or is it still, it's another person. And so both of those are true at the same time. And so Rav Asher says it's enough of another person that it would trigger that clause in the, um, in the Ketuvah. And so that would require the, um, the husband to have to pay the Ketuvah and uh, therefore uh, pay for the burial. Well, we now return to the conversation between Rava and Abaye. Rava, again, remember, says that the husband does not have to pay for her burial because he says, "Look, I'm still alive, so I'm not. I'm not. I don't have to pay for your kitubah or any of the responsibilities while I am here." Uh, and so he sends a message to Abaye, who thinks that the husband does have to pay. So This is interesting for a different reason that a lot of times we see uh, controversy, discussions between Rava and Abaye. It's not always clear if they are together because they lived in separate cities. And so here it says explicitly that he sent a messenger um, uh, through Rav Shemaya Bar Zera. Uh, so you wonder if maybe in most cases there is some messenger, even if it doesn't say so. But at least some of the time they were conversing through messenger. So the question is, Is that true, Rabaye, that you say that a ketuvah can be collected while the Yavam is alive? Right? That's what you said, that even though the Yavam is here up alive and kicking, he still has to pay the ketuvah uh, as, if, uh, as if it's collected. And that's why he's responsible for for paying for the burial. Um, but here's my challenge. Rabbi Abba Omer. Okay, we have a Braita in the name of Rabbi Abba. Some say that Rabbi Abba here is Rav, the first generation Amora, whose full name was Rav Abba. And a lot of times we say Rav Tanahu Upalik. He is like a Tana um, because he is he is speaking to Sumachus, which would make sense chronologically if Sumachus is just um, around the same time as Rav. Uh, so some say this is the same of Rav as Rav. The problem is that even Rav, even if it were Rav, it should be Rav Abba, not Rabbi Abba. And I did check the manuscripts, they're right here, and they all say Rabbi, uh, either Rabbi spelled out or all the manuscripts have Rabbi with an apostrophe, Adesh with an apostrophe, which stands for Rabbi, uh, not Rav. So um, probably unlikely, but rather a different Amora. 
named Rabbi Abba. Anyway, it doesn't matter who it is. Uh, he says, Shalti et sumachus, he est sumchus. Haro se sheyim kor benichse achiv kesad hu ose. Let's say you have a, a man that died without children, and now the estate goes to the Yavam, and uh, there is a wife there, Shomeret uh, Yavam. So uh, he is not allowed, the, we saw in the Mishnah, uh, the, he is not allowed to sell his brother's property because it all is uh, dedicated to eventually paying her ketubah whenever they should divorce or whenever um, one of them will die. Uh, and so when uh, the, so, but let's say he does want to sell the land uh, for whatever reason, he thinks it's a good deal that he has on it. How, how can he do that? If the Yavam is a Kohen, in which case he cannot divorce and remarry her. So then he should make a big feast for her, get her in a good mood, show how much he cares about her, and appease her, try to convince her to allow him. If she is okay with it, then he can. But if he's not a Kohen, if he's Israel, then he can divorce her. Once he divorces, he will have to pay the Ketubah. Fine, he'll pay out the right, one lump sum value over the Ketubah, whatever it is. And then the rest of it, which will include the land that he has wants to sell, he will now have full ownership over it, and he can then sell the land, and now and then he can go and remarry her, um, assuming they still like each other. So the divorce and remarriage just allow frees up the husband's original estate, so he can say, "Here's your money, take it," and now. I can do what I want with the land. Okay, that is all what uh, the Braita of Rabbi Abba said. And so now, according to this, you see that the Ketuvah is not paid and cannot be paid while the husband is alive, while the Yavam is alive. If he, because uh, if, if he was able to pay it, he could say, here, listen, I'm going to pay you the sum right now, right? Even while we're, while you're Shemet Yavam or while we're married, um, I'll pay a few. And then the land is separate, uh, is left over. I'll sell the land from now. No, but we see that's not true. They, um, it, the, as long as they are married, he has to, he keeps the, he has to keep all of the land, everything, as uh, a backup in order to eventually, um, in, in savings, in order to eventually pay the Ketubah. So the Ketubah is not payable while he's alive. So this supports uh, Rava against Abaye. Uh, that's the question. And so now, right here's uh, elaboration. If you think that the ketubah can be paid while the person is alive, that's already collectible. Once the original husband dies, and now it's already collectible, then why not? Why can't the yavam set aside a certain amount of cash for the ketubah, and so that will be paid, you know, whenever. Um, it's appropriate, um, and then the la- the rest of it go the uh, yavam can sell. But from the fact that the biabah's baraita doesn't say that shows that it's not yet collectible. Okay, now we ask a question on the question first. All right, Rava, why didn't you ask your question from the Mishnah? Why are you quoting this baraita of the when you have a stronger source in our Mishnah itself? Again, the Shomeret Yavam uh, cannot say here, 
the Yavam cannot say to his, uh, to the Yavama, um, here is the cash value of your Ketubah. It's on the table, right? I'm setting it aside. And then, you know, whenever the end, the, the end of this marriage, then you can take it. And then all of the rest of the property of the deceased brother, um, I'll, I'll take. No, he can't say that. Rather, the entire estate of the deceased brother are all mortgaged for the Ketubah. He cannot do anything. He cannot sell it. He, can get, he can't give it away. Um, so that, the Mishnah, we could learn the very same thing, that it's not collectible. If it was collectible during the life of the Yavam, he would be able to set aside money. So why aren't you asking a better question from the Mishnah? Okay, the answer to the second question of why the Mishnah is not a better source is, The Mishnah is just giving good advice. It's not actually saying that the Avam is prohibited from setting aside the cash and selling uh, and, and, and taking the land and doing whatever he wants with it. It's not prohibited. He could do it, but it's good advice not to. Good advice is keep the land, keep the estate intact, because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, if you set aside the cash, maybe the cash will get lost. So keep all that land um, right there, ready to pay. Because after all, you have to say it's good advice, not a law. Uh, it's good advice to leave the estate intact, and it's not a law that he's not allowed to sell it, because after all, look at the rest of the Mishnah, where it says, and so too, in a regular case of a husband and wife, not a Yavam, not a Yavama, a person, a husband should not say, here's the amount of your Ketubah, eventually, that we will, you know, should we... Uh, should we get divorced whenever it ends? Here's the cash value. It's here ready for, ready for you. And uh, then the rest of the, um, the um, uh, estate will, will not be responsible, will not have a mortgage on it. Uh, he should not say that, but rather all of his property should have a lien for the ketubah of his wife. And in that case, the uh, regular husband, he is certainly is allowed to sell the la- his land and whatever he wants. Even though he sells it, there's still going to be mortgage on it, but uh, the, a lien on it for her to go collect if she needed to from the buyers. But he is allowed to sell it. So that's for sure true in the sefa. And so here too, uh, how could you say that the yavam, yavam would not be allowed to sell it? It has to be the same. Both cases are right there, back to back in the Mishnah. It's evident that for the hus- for a regular husband, it's just good advice. So too for the Yavam, it's just good advice. But from the Mishnah itself, one cannot prove that it would be prohibited from the Yavam to uh, set us to do the setting aside, and therefore we can't we can't ask the, we should not ask the question from the Mishnah. So that's why um, Rava asked the question from the Braita of Rabbi Abba. All right. So now that we solved the second question of why Mishnah is not a better source, let's go back to the main question. Ella did Rabbi Abba Kashya. Back to the challenge from Rabbi Abba who said that um, he seemed to say it and you know not as just uh, good advice but that one should not one may not set aside the yavam may not set aside money uh, for the ketubah and then sell the um, other property and must be because the ketubah is 
not collectible during the lifetime of the uh, of the Avam because it's not collectible. Therefore, he's not responsible to pay for it. He's not. Therefore, he's not responsible to to pay for the burial either. That was Rava's question. And the answer to that is that Mishum Eva. No, even the Biabaz Baraita is not a challenge uh, Abaye could answer Rava. The reason for the Biaba was also not strictly legal, but rather because of enmity. Uh, what will happen if the husband says, listen, uh, the Yavam says, you know, I have this estate of the deceased brother. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this cash value, put it on the side, and then should we get divorced, you can take it. That way I can do whatever I want with the rest of the money. Technically, he is allowed to do that because Abayez is going to say, Abayez does say that it's already collectible at this point. Still, the reason he shouldn't do that is because it doesn't look very nice for him to do that. She's going to say, oh, you already set aside money for, for, for my kitubah. When, in, should we get divorced? Sounds like you're planning to divorce me, right? Could you imagine a regular couple? They're, they're married for 25 years. And he says, oh, by the way, I opened a separate account for the, the money that I will, I will need to pay you uh, your share of, uh, you know, of, of everything uh, when we get divorced, I have a separate account already there, right? That's not going to sound very good. She's like, uh, what, you're planning to divorce me any day? Why are you doing that? And so that's going to um, bring hatred into the marriage. And that's why it's not a good idea, but not necessarily because it's uh, prohibited. It could be that um, it could be that the Kituva is collectible, Abayas says, since it is collectible already at this point, the Nyabam does have to pay for the burial. We now come to a very interesting story that will continue the controversy between uh, Rava and Abaye. Okay, this is about Hahu and their, their positions. We're going to see some other Amoraim that also agree with one or the other position. Here's the story. He had a man and uh, his brother died without kids. And so his brother's wife, the Yevama, falls to him. They lived in Pumpedita. Here's the thing. The deceased brother had two surviving brothers. One was older, uh, one was younger. So really the older one, the oldest brother, has the first right to do Yibum. And he wanted to do Yibum and thereby he would also uh, inherit the deceased brother's estate alone. So that's what he wanted to do. The younger brother, however, did not want that to happen because he wanted a share in the deceased brother's inheritance. And so the younger brother went ahead and was trying to give the Yevama a get. And now a get is not the same as chalitza. It doesn't fully uh, uh, separate them, but it is sufficient uh, to make it so that uh, none of the brothers can do yibum. So he wanted to give a get. The younger brother wanted to give a get in order to disqualify the older brother from doing yibum. And that way he'll have to do chalitza, and then the they will split the inheritance 50-50, and that's what the younger brother uh, tried to do. So the older brother says, hold on, stop doing that. Amale, maidatech. He says, what are you doing? Why are you giving her a get? Because of money, you want half the estate? Fine, I will give you half the estate, half the property is yours, and uh, allow me to go ahead and do the boom. Okay, that's the story. Now, this case comes to Rav Yosef. 
Amar Rav Yosef, Kevan Damur Rabbanan La Lizbin, Afagav de Zabin, La Have Zibine Zibine. Okay, so, so Rav Yosef says, the, this, the older brother, who is the Yavam, he's, uh, she is Shomenet Yavam, he is going to have control of this entire estate, but the estate is mortgaged for the eventual payment of the Ketubah. The rabbi said in our Mishnah, and in the Breit of that of Rabbi Abba also, they said that he is not allowed to sell it. And Rava interpreted that literally, that there's a prohibition. You're not allowed to sell it. Rav Yosef is going to agree with Rava, with Rava that the Yavam is not permitted to sell any of the land that's in the estate because it's all there, ready and waiting to eventually pay the Ketuvah. Since the rabbi said he's not allowed to sell it, when the older brother tells, told the younger brother, I'll give you half. So he's giving away half of the estate of the deceased estates that's supposed to be going towards the Ketuvah. He did not have a right to give it away, and therefore his giving it away is invalid. His sale is invalid. He didn't really sell it for anything. He was just giving it to him so that he could continue to do Ketubah. Therefore, in fact, the older brother can keep the entire estate. And it will stay in escrow until such time as the Ketubah needs to be paid. He'll then he'll pay off the Ketubah and then he can keep the land. And so therefore, you see, Rav Yosef um, agrees with Rava. They cannot sell the land. De uh, Tanya, we're going to prove this. Mi shemet v'niach shemet yavam v'niach nechasim b'me'amane. This Brayta says, if a man dies and leaves a uh, uh, his wife, who's a shemet yavam, uh, she and and uh, let's say the estate was a hundred mane, and the only had the 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 kituva is only has to pay. Uh, one or two mane, right? It's 10,000 zoos, and the kituvah is only going to be 200, or even if it's a, a thousand zoos. So the state is much, many times more than the eventual payment, nevertheless. Even if the kituvah uh, is only 100, maybe she was already in Almanah before. Um, he is not allowed to sell any of the property of the estate because the entire estate is mortgaged and held in escrow for the eventual payment of the Ketuvah, even if it's many times as big. So there you go. This is the prohibition. And uh, that's uh, Rav Yosef actually, by, uh, ironically here, because the Avam is restricted, uh, therefore, he in this case, he actually benefits. He can't sell any of the land, but he also doesn't have to share it with his brother, even though he told his brother, I'll split it with you. He didn't have a right to do that. So the uh, the oldest, the Avam, gets to keep it. Okay, so all that is going to be a challenge to Abaye, because Abaye said that a brother can sell it, right? He said above that the Mishnah that says you can't sell it is just good advice, but actually is permitted to sell, so the sale would be valid. Abaye is going to say in this case of this Pumpadita couple that the sale is a good sale and the younger brother gets half. And after all, he says, what, every time the rabbis say, don't sell, does that mean even Bidi Avad, the sale is not good? Right? So Abaye says, I'll agree with you maybe that Lechatechila, you should not sell it. It's good advice. But the Avad, it's a sale. Way back in the opening Mishnah of this Perek, uh, said that if um, a woman brings in Nechseh Melog uh, land into the marriage as part of her dowry and they um, are do Kiddushin, from the before Kiddushin, she can buy it and sell it. 
she can sell it, give it away. But after Kiddushin, Bet Shemai says she can't sell. Bet Hillel says she should not sell it. But Elu ve'elu modim she machra ve'natna kayem. Even Bet Hillel agrees that if she did sell it, b'diavad, the sale goes through. So here's a case where, even though Bet Hillel says lotim kor, that's only lechatechila, b'diavad, it can go through. And so Abayah is going to say the same thing here regarding the the um, uh, b'rayta that you brought, loyim kor, it just means the chatechilai should not sell the avad. In this case, the older brother already gave it away. So the sale should be valid. All right, so now they're stuck there to stand sold. Av Yosef said, not allowed to sell it. Abaye says, avad, the sale is valid. So now they want to ask um, some outs of some third parties to get a confirmation one way or another. So they sent this case to Rabbi Chana Eske's advice. He wrote back, I agree with Rav Yosef. The older brother did not have a right to sell it, so he gets to keep everything. Okay, so that supports Rav Yosef. What's Abayi going to do with that? What did he hang jewelry upon his ruling? All he said was two words, Rav Yosef. He didn't explain it. He didn't give any proof. He didn't give any reasoning. So, okay, we have yet another opinion, but that's not, you know, that's not going to convince me. So they sent it yet to another sage. And Shalacha Kidabaye. Uh, so he said, I agree with, I, I agree with Abaye that he can sell it. And therefore, all the brother doesn't, uh, only gets half. But, uh, Rav Minyomi, he says, even though I agree with Abaye, if Rav Yosef can, comes up with any better proof, some reasoning for it, let me know, because I'm actually not 100% sure. All right, now the pressure is on of Rav Yosef. He'll see if he can back up his opinion. Nafak, Rav Yosef, Dak Vashkach. He checked and analyzed, did research, and sure enough, he found. Look at this. Proof. Tetanya. One brother owes money to another brother. And so, right, the second one says, hey, I want you to pay, time to pay up your loan. And that brother who's trying to collect, he dies. Uh, without children, leaving his um, leaving his brother uh, and also a shomeret yavam. So now the yavam is the one that owed money, but he owed money to his brother who died, and he now is taking his estate. So actually, he just has to pay himself, right? So then he could just cancel it out, right? So v'niar shomeret yavam lo yomaro il v'shani yoresh hechazakti. So he cannot say. The Yavam cannot say, since I'm inheriting the entire property, so uh, I owe myself money, so I'll just leave it alone. I'll just keep the money, and uh, that's it. No, he cannot do that. Rather, his brother's estate is still separate, right? Remember, and he has to keep it separate to pay the Ketubah for the Yavama eventually. So therefore, he has to take cash out of his own pocket, the Yavam, and he has to buy land and put it into the estate of the uh, deceased brother. And because uh, it has to be, hold on to it for a long time and it can't be perishable and he can benefit from the from the fruit of it, like any husband can. 
uh, with his wife's property. And so you see, this is Rav Yosef's proof, pretty ingenious proof, that here is money that actually the Yavam had in his own pocket, and he has to take the money, buy land with it, and keep it in the estate. All the more so, if there is already land in the estate, he would not be able to sell it and take the money. So this is, um, this is a really good proof that the, one, the Yavam is not allowed to sell property. And uh, there you go. This should be you know, uh, convincing to anyone who still needed convincing. Amad Abaye, Abaye says, no, I'm not convinced. Dilma tetabale abdule. No, maybe they're doing something that's a good idea. What's good for him? Right, the Braita says, you should purchase land, and then it's good because you'll have the land, and then you'll know that that's there to pay the ketubah, and you can have the produce in the meantime, so the money won't get lost. You'll benefit the produce. Maybe this was good advice, like Abaye said above, about the Mishnah, it's just good advice. Maybe this is all also just good advice. But Rav Yosef says, no, you can't say that here. Look at the language of the Brayta. It says, we extract money of the loan from the Avam's own pocket to put into the estate as land. So this money, this, this statement, Motzi'in, sounds like it's an absolute law. We force him, not just that it's good advice. So, sorry, I think this Brayta is a good proof Rav Yosef says, for my position. So now, they sent this back to Rav Minyomi. Remember, he's the one that said, listen, I agree with Abaye, but if Rav Yosef has a better proof, let me know. So they sent it back to him and said, oh, Rav Yosef found this proof. What do you think about it? So Rav Minyomi, the son of Rav Nachumi, uh, says back that Rav Yosef, the son of Minyomi, maybe that's his own son, in the name of Rav Nachman, Zo and Amishnah. This Braita about the brother that owes money to the other one and then dies. The when the, the the one trying to collect it dies, that whole Braita is not Mishnah, is not an authoritative Braita. There were many Tanaitic sources going around, many Baraitot, and some were confirmed as being reliable oral tradition and says this one is a, a not unconfirmed source, is something wrong with it. Okay, so therefore I'm not accepting your proof. I mean, I agree that the Braita would say that, but I don't think that Braita is authoritative. So that's what Rabbi Yomi said, said back, and Abayek said, oh, thank you very much, right? Therefore, Abayek doesn't have to um, say it's just good advice. He just can reject the Braita altogether. Maitama, what's wrong with this Braita? Maybe because this is movable. This is just cash that he's paying back a loan with. It's not land. And many opinions say that a Ketuvah mortgages only land, but not movable objects. And maybe that's why this is not uh, not, not an authoritative Braita. But on the other hand, we, have, we do have the opinion of Rabbi Meir that said both land and movable objects are mortgaged for a ketubah. So that doesn't mean, so this Braita may very well be reliable and it follows Rabbi Meir. Okay, so what else is, what else is, is wrong with this Braita that makes it suspect? Um, maybe because after all, the Yavam can tell the Yavama, you're not my litigant. I owed mother, I owed money to my brother. 
your uh, deceased husband, and he's not around anymore. You have no claim against me, so therefore I could do what I want with this money. This is my money, and I, 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 I received the inheritance. You can't come and claim uh, a mortgage, a lien on this money that I have that I didn't yet pay back to your brother, right? You can't, can't claim a lien on it. You're not my litigant. Uh, your brother had a lien on me, but you don't. Um, okay, so maybe that, and so that's why, and this Braita says otherwise, maybe that's why we reject the Braita. We say not necessarily. This Braita could be the opinion of Rabinatan, who does in fact say that even though two people are not direct litigants, they can still have a claim upon each other. If A owes money to B, and B owes money to C, C, if he wants, can go all the way back to A to collect the money. How do you know that he can do that? He should give money to whoever is guilty, whoever is owed. And so therefore, uh, C has a right to go. Instead, if he wants to circumvent B, because it's going to be hard to get money from B, he can go all the way back to A, who's uh, an original creditor, and say, hey, just skip B and pay me directly. In this case, we can apply it, uh, the same principle, and say that the live brother owed money to the deceased brother. The deceased mother, brother owed a ketuvah to, the, to his wife. So now his wife can just skip over the deceased brother and go directly and have a claim against the Yavam. Uh, so this Baraita could be going according to the Binatan, and then the Baraita would, uh, would be perfectly valid. So that's not a reason to invalidate this Baraita. Okay, the reason why we're saying this Baraita is suspect is because Fine. If it followed one one chumrah, either of Rabbi Meir or Rabbi Natan, that's fine. But we don't find anyone who who accepts both of these chumrot and follows Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Natan. And therefore, this baraita is not authoritative. Abaye claims, and so he rejects Rav Yosef's proof. And finally, Amarava imken haynu de shamat naled Abaye damar zo enamishna velayadana mayhi. Rava says, Oh, now I realize something that I didn't know before. I remember Abaye once saying, This is not a mishnah. This baraita is. Uh, not is not authoritative, and I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know what context he said that in. But now that you explained all this to me, now I understand that uh, was Abaya was referring to this baraita that he rejected as not being non-authoritative. Baruch Adonai Amen.